That's what makes nature such a perfect teacher for the challenging and very personal concept of leadership. Because each animal, even in the same species, may approach a problem differently, the associated outcomes will vary accordingly. And because animals are probably not overthinking the way humans may be prone to do, animals make an instinctual judgment call and live with the outcomes. We can all choose to listen to our internal voice, which guides us instinctually in ways no other person ever could. We can all choose to leave our comfort zones and sit outside observing and learning what only nature can teach us. I hope you're ready to lean in a little closer and trust this voice of yours. I think you are ready to take a walk on the wild side. I believe you are ready to unleash the instinctual leader within. So let's dive into the natural world as you've never seen it, full of lessons on how to deal with change, work more effectively as a team, and build your resilience muscle. I promise you'll never look at a giraffe or a termite the same way again. Welcome back to Zoo Notable. I'm PJ with Zoo Fit. You know, September 4th is Labor Day, which is, I guess, an important day. I'm probably disrespecting some historical tradition that has earned me rights and better life. But there is another significant day on September 4th that I want to bring attention to. National Wildlife Day. I mean, if you know me, you know it's way more relevant to me than Labor Day. I'll be working Labor Day and working with, well, not exactly wildlife, but animals from the wild. So deciding what book to share with you all this week was sort of a no-brainer. Last year, I revisited my old zoo, Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, and I checked out their gift shop. There I found a book called Wisdom from the Wild by Julie C. Henry, Nine Unbreakable Laws of Leadership from the Animal Kingdom. This caught my attention and I gotta admit I'm a little jealous of the title because as I'm finishing up my memoir, I immediately want to start on a follow-up book that speaks to the same effect, these life lessons from the animal kingdom. But now I can't call it Wisdom from the Wild now, can I? (laughs) I did have to buy the book to see what it was all about. And as it was one of the few books to make the trip across the Pacific to Hawaii with me, I felt that this was the perfect time and opportunity to read it. Wisdom from the Wild does focus on leadership, but there are some important life lessons I took from it that I'm excited to share with all of you. However, if you are a leader or you want to be a leader or even if you might have to lead, whether you ultimately want to or not, I think you'll get a lot out of this book all the way through. There are nine unbreakable laws the author discusses, but we're just going to be going over the uh, top five for me. So if your interest is piqued, I highly recommend finding a copy for yourself. But for right now, let's dig into learning some amazing wisdom from the wild. We'll kick things off with big idea number one. If you're distracted by fear, you'll miss the opportunities. This is a lesson of spiders. Quote, I'm not sure when it happens, probably at a different time for each of us. But somewhere along our journey to adulthood, we lose our innate ability to wonder. We no longer question without worrying what others think of us. We wonder only whether we should have known the answer. The fear of not being seen as smart enough or in the know becomes a paralyzing force, 
and we retreat to the familiar. In the end, we lose our ability to not just marvel at the possibilities before us, but to even see those possibilities or our own potential, all for the sake of fear. Fear has replaced opportunity. We have lost our chance for a meaningful change. The spiders have taken over. Now, this lesson from the animal kingdom is all around a core part of leadership about change. And Julie Henry admits that change, like spiders, can be a little scary. But change is also exciting. It's interesting. It's enriching. There are opportunities for growth with change, opportunities to improve or to try something new. Now, I know I sometimes sound like the pot calling the kettle black when I say we need to embrace the spiders, i.e. the change in our lives. I'm not the biggest fan of the eight-legged creatures. I know we need them. I know that they're an important part of the ecosystem, but I am not a huge fan of spiders. However, fearing spiders shouldn't keep me from exploring this wide, wonderful world. And fearing change shouldn't either. Now, perhaps it sounds odd that I might fear change. I mean, PJ, you might be asking, didn't you just up and move to a completely different part of the world from the Pacific Northwest? That was a huge change you embraced. Yes. Yes, it was. But it doesn't mean I wasn't scared out of my mind. And Julie in Wisdom from the Wild encourages us to feel the fear and move forward anyways. And I agree. That is the very definition of bravery. Courage isn't lacking fear. It's being afraid and doing what you need to do in spite of the fear. It's perfectly okay to feel fear. Fear and even the hesitation to move forward from fear is part of our survival tactics. It's healthy to be afraid of change. But please don't let that fear keep you from pr progressing, keep you from new and exciting opportunities, or keep you from and keeping you standing still and afraid of spiders. Spiders, like change, can be really scary. But if you embrace that fear and venture out anyways, you are on an amazing adventure. And don't worry, you have totally got this. Big idea number two, when you can't see the finish line, let purpose be your cheerleader. Lesson from sea turtles. Quote, Here's one of the things about sea turtles that amazes and impresses me most. When it's nearly time to lay her eggs, the female sea turtle will find her way back to the region from which she was hatched. She migrates using Earth's magnetic fields and other cues deeply ingrained in her instinct until she arrives at the place, or very nearby, where she herself emerged from her egg in a nest deep under the sand. She repeats the process of her ancestors, crawling out of the ocean onto the beach and laying her clutch of eggs, the next generation of sea turtles. She does all of this without seeing where she is going, without knowing where her finish line is. Instead, she relies on deeply instinctual and evolutionary migratory clues to guide her way. She is guided by purpose. What is your purpose? So for me, when we have like this huge project or this challenge where we can't see how long it's going to take, we can often feel bogged down. If we don't know why we're putting ourselves through this challenge, it can bog us down even more. And often this is why good people quit. They don't have their big why, their purpose. A couple months ago, I shared my personal story for my big why, how I got into the animal field, and how I started on my self-care journey. 
I had a clear and distinct purpose for both getting an animal care. It was the only thing I could imagine wanting to do with my life and my career and for getting into fitness. That was, I wanted to be the best zookeeper for my animals and needed to start by taking care of myself. Now, I like this idea of remembering the sea turtle when you feel like giving up. The sea turtle remembers her purpose. It's to get to the beach and lay her eggs. This is the only way they can continue the species then pass on their genes to the next generation. But sometimes I think we need more than just a reminder or a guide leading us toward our purpose. We need encouragement to keep going, especially when the going gets tough. And Julia shares the story of her running a marathon. And at the 26th mile mark, Julia admits that she hit her wall. She could not keep going no matter what she tried to tell herself. Julie couldn't see the finish line. And a woman in the crowd stepped to the edge and reminded Julie how far she had come and that she had seen the finish line. It was just around the corner. Julie was able to garner the willpower and the strength to keep going and finish her race. Now, unfortunately, we won't always have a wonderful stranger cheering us on. This is why our big why, our purpose, has to be so strong, as strong as a sea turtle's will to return to her beach to lay her eggs. When it's that strong, it becomes our own cheerleader. Let your purpose encourage you and motivate you and inspire you to keep going, even when you can't see the finish line. It's there. It's just around the corner. Big idea number three is surround yourself with people who are not like you. Lessons from termites and giraffes. Quote, Picture the African savanna. In your mind's eye, what landscape do you see? Which animals come to mind? I love how writer Sidya Nbahu describes it. The African savanna has a cornucopia of majestic creatures, lions, elephants, and giraffe among them. But behind the scenes, it is the tiny termite that fuels much of this diversity. In a research study, scientists noticed large patches of trees, grass, and green green plants up to 30 feet in diameter and spaced hundreds of feet apart. When they dug a little deeper, literally, they discovered millions of termites living underneath these lush green areas. When the termites consume dead wood and plant materials, they release the nutrients that are needed for new trees, plants, and grass. The large animals that come to feed on this new growth, like giraffe, add their own nutrients in the form of urine and feces that also support plant growth. Thus, they, both termites and giraffe, are directly contributing to the creation of green spaces and food sources for each other in an otherwise sparse African savanna. Where would the world be without the small and mighty insects doing their thing? We wouldn't have crops that get pollinated. The savanna wouldn't function. Many decaying corpses would rot, and many other animals would starve. And at the same time, where would the world be without apex predators like wolves, lions, and sharks? We know that wolves in Yellowstone brought back the entire ecosystem by keeping elk populations from devouring and destroying the trees. But where would the world be without the middleman animals, those elk, the zebra, the fish, who eat resources and then also themselves feed larger predators? Now, as Julie writes, an ecosystem would never work if all the animals had the same skills and needs. 
just as society would never work if people were all good at the same thing. As the case, as is, is the case with wildlife and wild places, to accomplish the work we humans do, everyone needs to find their niche and do their thing. That's how ecosystems stay healthy, how work gets done, and how teams thrive. And we need diversity in our lives as well. No, not the plant and animal diversity, the diversity of people. We need people, every person shining bright at what they do best, celebrating the differences in each other and what we each bring to the table. No one is more important than another person. It's the giraffes and the termites that make the savannah successful ecosystem. And it is our differences that make our team successful too. So what do you excel at? What do you bring to the table? Let's shine and share how we make the world a little better by celebrating what makes us different. And big idea number four is resilience helps everyone by taking care of you. Quote, it's easy to get caught up in the momentum, whether it's a winning streak or a downward spiral. And that's when you should dial in to what you alone need to nurture your resilience, not what your team needs, not what your CEO, your friends, or your mentors need, what you need. Resilience is about being able to keep moving forward in the way that only you can. Your capacity and needs surrounding the concept of resiliency are unique to you. By leveraging the insight, insightful research and tools available, you can assess your own needs and build your resilience muscle. You know yourself best. You know instinctively what you need at this phase of your life to be resilient. And to be a resilient leader who can lead others, you must lead yourself first. You must listen to your own instinct. Resilience is not a list of self-care activities or ideas gathered from other people. It is a muscle of your own that you can develop, flex, and keep in shape. And that muscle's capabilities change throughout your life with each phase, each job, and each reality you might find what yourself in. Now, for those of you who've been tuning in for a while, you will probably know what I'm going to say. It's the heart of what I do with ZooFit. You cannot take care of the animals until you start taking care of yourself. Now, this is a pretty self-explanatory idea, but there are some things, more things that uh, Julie shares with us that I feel are very important to listen to. So Julie Henry says, there is a risk in overthinking the concept of resilience, however, and simply adding it as yet another item on your to-do list. An eager leader might subscribe to too many newsletters that explain in only five simple steps how to relax and take care of yourself. Likewise, signing up for too many wellness retreats could lead you to believe you don't know how to make decisions that are best for you. Moderation in all things, including stress management and self-care routines, is a virtue. Pack your schedule with exercise, meditation, juice cleanses, detoxes, gratitude journaling, schedule time with friends and family, out, time outdoors with time with your pets, time for yourself. And suddenly your downtime is for recharging is overscheduled, just as jam-packed as your work calendar. There is also a risk in aligning resilience too closely with relentless positivity. Becoming resilient does not mean ignoring struggles, despair, or difficult moments. It does not mean forcing yourself into a happy state and charging on into the next project. 
Task yourself with the impossible goal of being positive and upbeat all the time, and you will quickly learn the toll it takes on resilience and mental health, both yours and that of the people around you. All right, so yes, we need to take care of our physical needs, the exercise, that rest, and nutrition, but not at the expense of our mental health. Piling on self-care activities like an overwhelming to-do list will not help us stay resilient. This is why I encourage and recommend making self-care a journey and training yourself using those small progressive steps and experimenting with what works for you that are key to finding your personal self-care routine. I also like Julie's take on not letting the idea of resilience be relentless positivity. That is in itself a way to compassion fatigue and burnout. Resilience is never being sad. It's about getting back up when you're knocked down. It's allowing yourself time to heal, time to feel, and time for yourself so that you can bounce back faster, better, and stronger. So what's in your resilience toolbox? How do you care for yourself so that you can take care of others and show up as your best self for the animals, the community, and the planet? And finally, we have big idea number five, even cheetahs slow down. Quote, whether you like it or not, or whether you admit it or not, you will eventually slow down, and that's okay. In fact, that's what is designed to happen. This is a biological fact. All leaders, like all cheetahs, slow down at some point, whether by choice or by consequence. The fastest land animal in the world cannot run at top speed forever. To be fair, maybe we don't really assume that we can keep the speed up forever. Maybe it's just that we feel compelled to keep going, spinning all the plates, juggling all the balls, stretching ourselves so thin that it's impossible not to break. Maybe we arrive at a point of constant movement and it dulls us into a sense of normalcy, into thinking that top speed is the only speed. Our identity can even become impossibly intertwined with being busy, leading, doing, bettering ourselves, challenging the status quo, creating, mattering. Of all the unbreakable laws of leadership in this book, this is the one is a guiding force because I believe it is the very essence of being a leader. The cheetah's need to preserve its energy for the challenges ahead is the very definition of an unbreakable law of nature, a fact that you cannot argue with and cannot manipulate. It's a fundamental biological reality that is equally inevitable in the animal kingdom and in the business world. Now, I love it when nature provides such an important lesson for us. Cheetahs, again, are the fastest land animal, clocking at speeds up to 60 miles an hour in sprints when chasing prey. The problem with their high, high speed is that it is impossible to maintain. And we'll admit this is where humans excel. We can't run as fast as cheetahs, but we do have longer stamina and endurance, hence the ability to run marathons and complete triathlons. Now, while humans are endurance champions, we still do have an off switch. And if we do too much without rest and recovery, we burn out. We burn out on performance, burn out on energy, burn out on focus, burn out on our emotions, making us bad-tempered, moody, negative, and falling victim to compassion fatigue. We need recovery in order to maintain our high performance. 
It's not something to apologize for. It doesn't make us a poor employee, a poor animal trainer, or a bad person. It just makes us human. It makes us living animals and living beings. I appreciate what Julie writes at the end of the chapter on resilience. She says, understanding that the cheetah, the fastest land animal on earth, will always slow down no matter what, makes me feel better in taking the time that I need to excel as a leader. If even a cheetah is not successful in catching their prey, they still slow down. It does not stop to beat themselves up about why they weren't successful. Sure, maybe the cheetah reflects for a moment with an innate sense of considering a different route for in the future. But no matter what, this cheetah instinctively knows that resting and recharging is not a nice to have. It's essential if the cheetah wants to run at top speed the next time. So do you want to be a top performer? Then you have to know when to slow down and incorporate rest and recovery into your routine. You will slow down one way or another. So let's make it our choice and not the body, the mind, the health, or their emotions breaking down. So what's one thing that you can incorporate slowing down, resting, and recuperating starting today? Well, there you have my take on wisdom from the wild. Again, this is just a short take on a book packed with big ideas. Julie Henry also talks about change and chaos, lessons from a mangrove, teamwork, and the no size, no one size fits all approach. That's from the naked mole rats. Building a foundation for success with the lesson from a coral and thriving rather than just surviving a lesson from sea cucumbers. I think it bears repeating if you are in a leadership role or want to be in a leadership role or might be put in a leadership role, I do highly recommend this book for its unique take on leading teams, rather being a leader rather than just a boss and its fun connections to the animal world. And again, I got my copy at my local zoo, but if you want to support your local bookstore, I'll provide a link in the description of this episode to nab a copy for yourself. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of this book and hear from you. Connect with me at zoofit.net and share your thoughts, ideas, and stories with me. And speaking of sharing, I have a couple fantastic guests coming up in the next couple weeks. Next week, I'll be sitting down with another great writer friend, Barbara Wolf Terrell, and her book, and discuss her book, Reconfigured. It's such a moving story. I just can't wait for you to hear it. And then later this month, Shannon McKinney of Grays, that's Growing Resiliency in Aquarium and Zoo Employees, will be joining me to discuss ways we can provide self-care and improve our resiliency in our day-to-day lives. I'm going to close this out the same way I always do with just a few extra quotes from Wisdom from the Wild. These are all from Julie C. Henry. She tells us, Nature is always teaching us if we have the presence of mind to listen. She says, Now more than ever, I believe we need to learn the lesson that only nature can teach us. If there is anything I've learned over the course of my, of my life is the f- fact that simple does not always mean easy. I think she was reading my mind in that one. I say that way too often. Julia says that to strive to make 
both yourself and your team feel safe but not comfortable. As leaders, we should work to create an environment where people feel safe enough to voice their opinions without fear and secure that they will be heard equally. But your team should not get too comfortable with the way things are or they risk becoming complacent and just phoning it in. Julie also admits, I am truly a scientist at heart. No matter how my career progresses and my work evolves over the time, science will always be my jam. And I feel I could just replace that term science with zookeeping. And once again, she has read my mind. When she's talking about uh, resiliency, she, uh, Julie shares about doing a personal ethogram. And she says, the goal is to identify patterns and to evaluate how you are spending your time, focus, and energy. Because as the old adage goes, where your attention goes, your energy flows. Joy reminds us that you need to slow down proactively before your mind, body, and spirit do so reactively. And finally, Julie tells us, care for yourself today so you can lead others tomorrow.